Amen. Good morning, Terranova family. You know what? This fan is going to cause some noise. I thought I could do a fan up here because I, I know I'm going to get sweaty. But that's just going to make a lot of noise. Uh, it is good to be with you all today. Um, my name is uh, Rob Keparudis, and I'm one of the pastors here along with Pastor Jason, Pastor Nat, and uh, Pastor Tori. I'm going to move this down just a bit. Uh, first of all, uh, I just want to thank all of you soccer fans uh, that are choosing to be here, present with us uh, this morning. Uh, I know a lot of you are like um, very anxious about what is transpiring because you're choosing to not watch the World Cup final and maybe watch it later. So what I'm going to tell you now is just turn off your notifications, Daniel, and uh, just... Just turn off your notifications because if you if there's like a scream or a shout or something like that, I'll know what you're doing, but I'll just assume that you are in agreement with what I just said in that moment. So um, turn off your notifications. Um, as Dennis said, we're here on the last uh, Sunday of Advent, um, and we're just one week away from Christmas Day. And I'm sure if you're anything like me, um, that pressure uh, is mounting. Like, did you get the right amount of gifts? Did you uh, not spoil one child over another? Uh, did you get that special someone, that special gift that they will remember um, for the rest of their lives? Um, so let's just take a deep breath. Um, let's take our minds off of what is to come in a week and uh, be present now uh, in this moment. And just as we have seen over the past two weeks, um, through Advent and now today, Christ has always been with us. And today we are looking at the, uh, the Christophany in Daniel chapter 3, where Christ appears um, as the fourth person in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And my prayer for us today is that by the end of our time here, we will know this main idea very clearly. And I hope it got changed yet. We are not alone and we never will be. And um, I know at times that it can feel that way, that we can feel as though we are all alone in this world. Uh, but here are three ways that we can be reassured that we are indeed not alone and we never will be. First, we have a community. We have a church body that encourages us and that supports us so we don't have to go this road alone. Secondly, we have a comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is our constant companion throughout life. And lastly, um, we have Christ, who, ha who always has and who always will be with us. So we're going we're gonna to read uh, Daniel chapter 3, a good portion of it. Uh, it's a lengthy passage. Uh, we're going to start in verse 8. So if you want a Bible, uh, you can raise your hand and maybe someone will bring you one. Um, there's also the slides up here. Um, I'm going to read it. We'll pray, and then we'll, we'll dig into this passage. Daniel chapter 3, verses 8 through 30. It says, Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, It is true. Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into a fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. The king, then King Nebuchadnezzar, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of God's. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Their hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Whew, that was a lot. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Tori, for that one. Um, let's pray, um, and I can take a breath. Father God, we are incredibly humbled that we can look through all of Scripture and we can see how your fingerprint is across all of it. That we can see how you have shown us Jesus, the Christ, throughout all of the Scriptures. And God, that we have someone that we can look to 
that is there for us, that was and always has been and always will be. God, help us to see the truth of your word in this, in this passage, that we might be men and women changed more on, on fire for your mission of making more and better disciples of Jesus. Lord, let us go into this season of Advent with hearts and minds that are formed rightly on who you are and what you have given to us in the person of Jesus. Father, let these words be from you for your people. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Hmm. So that's kind of a wild and crazy story, right? On a side note, have you ever tried to say any of those names in a different order, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like reverse it? Like, it's just, it's just how it's always meant to be. Like it, and also in that passage, it's said like 30 times. So it's like ingrained in us. So we can imagine what it might have felt like to be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, especially with the way uh, things are in this world today, being told that you need to be or you need to act or you need to feel a certain way because everybody's telling you that's what you should feel or that's what everybody else uh, is doing. These three men are foreigners in a hostile land who have been taken captive. And even though they had been given some privilege uh, and they have been given some authority, uh, they were not exempt from doing what the king had ordered, just like everybody else was expected. Now, imagine any one of these three men had to face all of this on their own, separately. The pressure would have been immense, but thankfully, they had each other, right? Which brings us to our first way of not being alone. We, we have a community. There's not a lot that we know about these three men, but we know that, that they had each other from the chapters prior to this in verses uh, in chapters 1 and 2. We know that Daniel is obviously the, the main character through all of the book, but these three young men were his companions. They were his friends. They were his close-knit group. And we also know that the king had found them, the, the, the three men and Daniel, to be ten times better than all the magicians and all the enchanters that were in Babylon because of the wisdom and understanding that God had given to them. So we can see that these three young men had a good standing with the king. And yet they too could not avoid the king's decree that all should worship this idol that he had created. The peer pressure for these men must have been intense because the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he was an intense man. And this wasn't the first time that they had been threatened, they, their lives had been threatened for all the, all the wise men in all of the kingdom of Babylon. In chapter 2, we would see that not only did the king want to know uh, an interpretation of a dream that he had, but he actually wanted the wise men to actually tell him the dream before they actually shared, shared with them uh, the interpretation. And if they could not, he was going to wipe out and destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel, he catches wind of this, this thing that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has declared, and he goes to his companions he goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he asks them to pray that the Lord would reveal this mystery to him. So God reveals the dream and the interpretation to Daniel and saves all the lives 
of the wise men in Babylon. Great, right? That, that's it. No more problems. Everybody's going to live a happy life. Nope. In the very next chapter we see our passage today take place, these three young men are in a crisis of a different nature. This time, it's not about performance or providing for, providing for the king something that he wants or needs or something that is troubling him. This time, they have to do something that goes against what they believe. This time, they have to take a stand for the God that they serve. They trusted and they believed that the intervening God would rescue them. But even if he didn't rescue them, they still would not bow and worship this idol, but, they, but rather they would trust the sovereignty of their Lord. We will all have our faith tested at some point in our life. Some, maybe more than others. But in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, says this. Count it all joy, brothers, my brothers, when you meet various trial, trials, trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, so most teenagers long for the day when they get to um, get their driver's license, right? And they are able to take the car out on the road, on the open road for the very first time with no one in there telling them how to drive, no one in there telling them what to do. And that was the case for me one day long ago in March. I had that moment. I didn't own my own car, so I had to borrow one of my parents' cars to go to school. But you see, our Mercury Topaz, right? Do you even know what a Mercury Topaz is? I wasn't going to say the year, but um, it's Mercury Topaz. And it had this Jesus fish on the trunk, right? You know, the Jesus fish with the Jesus written in it. And uh, typically that wouldn't have bothered me. Driving in that car, done it numerous times. But today I was taking the car to school. And I was worried about what the students might think of me. Uh, they might uh, ridicule me. So after I left the house and um, I had pulled around to the side, um, actually the Habedels were living right next door to us at the time. Didn't know that they'd be at our church right now. But I pull around, I, I pull around to the side, and I pried that Jesus fish right off of there. Never to be seen again. And, and the craziest part of the story is I don't think my mom knew this story until this moment right now. I, I'm pretty sure I made up a story that the Jesus fish something happened, you know. Um, so, sorry, mom. <laughs> uh, so I'm not proud. I'm not proud of that story. Um, but I tell it to you because I think... I think that if I had surrounded myself with other students and people that shared my same values or shared my same beliefs that I did, that I might have handled that situation a little bit differently. And here these three young men have to stand up for what they believe with a threat of death involved, not embarrassment, not ridicule, um, but death. So the question for us today, for all of us, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are they people that would walk through fire with us, stand beside us? Because we need a community, right? We need tribes. We need youth groups. 
We need the church body. This journey of following Christ is difficult on its own, and we are not meant to go it alone. So we need each other. We spent over two months back in the late spring going through the One Another series for a reason, because we need one another. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And if you're here today, or you're watching this later, and you do not feel connected, you don't feel engaged, or you feel alone, uh, I want to encourage you, please reach out to someone here. Anybody that was up here on the platform, any one of the pastors, um, the greeters that you saw coming in, uh, we're working on ways to uh, better engage and, and have the church connected, but I don't want you to wait until that's in place. So please reach out. We do not want you to leave here um, with that mindset. We do not want you to feel alone and that you're going this alone. So the community of Christ followers encourages and supports uh, one another. So we are not alone and we never will be. Also because we have the comforter, which is the second point, the Holy Spirit, who is our constant companion throughout all of life. Even when we, as believers, might feel physically alone, because of whatever situation we might be going through, we are still not truly alone. Jesus told his disciples in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit comforts us, and he reminds us the truth of God's word. And again, further down in, in verse 14, 25, and 26, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we can take comfort in knowing that we are when we are struggling with loneliness and when, with doubt and with fear and anxiety, the Holy Spirit reminds us and brings back to remember, remembrance the promises and the truth that are found in his word in the scriptures. And we can have confidence that what the Spirit reveals is true because it says in John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Just as Christ was in the middle of that fiery furnace with the, two, with the three young men, we too have someone with us. The Holy Spirit resides in us as believers and comforts us by providing us with the strength and courage we need to face the difficult situations that we will encounter. 
Acts 40, Acts 4, 31, it says that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then again, in, in Romans 8, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When we are called to stand up for our faith or face difficult circumstances, the Spirit will give us that strength and courage we need to stand firm and to trust in the sovereign Lord. The Spirit also brings us comfort by giving us a sense of peace and calm in the midst of those difficult circumstances. John 14, 27, Jesus is saying, Peace I leave the Holy Spirit with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we are facing challenges or hardships, the Spirit will provide for us a sense of peace that is beyond our understanding. So when we are feeling alone or overwhelmed or discouraged, the Spirit will remind us of the truth of God's Word. He will give us peace and provide us with the courage and the strength we need to face the challenges that come our way. So, with that in mind, what, in what ways are you continuing to walk alone and disregard the Spirit's guidance? Choosing to think that you know best. And I want to challenge you um, this week. I want to challenge all of us leading up into Christmas. Spend some, some quiet time listening, quietly listening for the Spirit's prompting. Be still instead of rushing through. Don't think about the end game, but think about these, this, this moment, these moments leading up to the time where we celebrate Christ's birth. And lastly, we zero in on the Christ, the one who always has and always will be with us. And just as we have seen over the past two weeks of Advent, focusing on the Christophanies, Christ was not created for these temporal moments that we have seen. He has always been. And at the end of Matthew, we can also see how he will always be with us forever. Jesus is speaking to his disciples at the end of Matthew, and it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sometimes uh, we get caught up in this season of Christmas and we, we think about Christ coming to us as a baby in a manger. And we think about all the cuteness that kind of can come with that, or, or we think of, uh, we think of him bringing joy to the world, or we may even consider the idea that we know that Christ has to come in order to save us, to save the world, as our Savior. But I think for a lot of us, we lose sight of how Christ has always been, especially right now. This Advent season, we're focusing on the Christophanies to help us remember and to see that Christ has always been with us. 
In John chapter 1, there is no better reminder than this for us. In the beginning was the Word, Christ. And the Word, Christ, was with God. And the Word, Christ, was God. He, Christ, was in the beginning with God. And maybe for some of you, there is a real struggle with the idea that Christ is truly with you or that he actually understands all that you wrestle with. Wrestle with, you know, Jacob wrestling. So be comforted by these words in Hebrews 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The intervening God took on human form, Jesus, and he intervened. And not only did he make a way for us to be with him forever, but also he gave us someone that we could look to and take comfort in knowing, knowing that he knows, that Christ knows. He knows our faults. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where we have failed him in the past, in the present, and where we will fail him in the future. And yet, yet he still loves us and came to be among us and give his life for us. So the question for us today, again, is where in your life are you not able to trust that Christ knows exactly what you're going through? That you can't understand how he is able to sympathize with your pain. Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. We are not alone, and we never will be. Because we have a community of Christ followers that encourage and support us. We have a comforter in the Holy Spirit who is our constant companion. And we have Christ Jesus always and forever. The three men needed God to intervene with Christ temporarily to save them from their temporal crisis. But we all needed an intervening God to send us Christ permanently for our eternal salvation. So, Christ came, taking on human nature permanently to save us permanently from the unending and just fire of God's wrath. But this time, he allowed the flames to consume him 
that we may walk away forgiven and unafraid to approach our Father. John 16, 33. Let me leave you with this last verse. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Would you pray with me? Father, let us not leave this place today feeling as though we are on this journey by ourselves, that we have no one to look to, that we have no one physically here with us, that you haven't sent your son for us. God, let us be changed, knowing more fully that as a church body, we are here for one another. That you intervened on our behalf and sent your son for us, that we may have life everlasting. God, if there is anybody here today that is feeling that loneliness, that is feeling distant from you, Lord, would your spirit move in their hearts and allow them to seek somebody out here today, not tomorrow, today, that they may leave here knowing the goodness, knowing the loving kindness, knowing the faithfulness, of your son. We pray all this in Christ's name.